You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And this is a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers behind the scenes. And we're on to the wackiest portion of the Aliens franchise. Matt, what did we watch for the fourth film? We're finishing out our Malian month with Alien Resurrection. On November 26th, what was dead? Who are you? Ripley Ellen, Lieutenant First Class. Ellen Ripley died 200 years ago. Shall be reborn. What's going on here? What was destroyed? He is breeding an alien species. Will be resurrected. Wish you could understand what we're trying to do here. Now they brought it out of you. Not all the way out. You want to tell us what this is? It's a queen. She'll breed. You'll die. Resurrection, rated R, November 26th, only in theaters. The sequel nobody asked for, <laughs> nobody wanted, and then when we got, we were like, oh, okay, well, why? <laughs> Cue Josh Whedon's puzzled look, like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, the film that the studio heads desperately wanted, but no one else did. <laughs> it's, I love it. This is one of the wackiest films that I mean, even if we did later on Alien versus Predator and the whole Prometheus Covenant end of the franchise, I guess you could say at this point, I think this one is going to have the most puzzled. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, regardless of what number it is in the series, this is easily the weirdest, <laughs> the wackiest and the yeah. most kind of why. <laughs> yeah, so 20th Century Fox really liked Josh Whedon coming off Buffy the Vampire Slayer and other things he had done because he had done a lot of uncredited touch-ups throughout his time. I'm not going to list them all out, but you can look them up. So they thought he was hot and they wanted his script. He came up with a script. They liked it, sort of, sent it on to the producers, and no one liked it. Not one of them. They said it would wreck the entire franchise, and that is pretty much a consistent opinion about this script. And now the script had been changed about as many times as Ripley becomes a clone in this film. Well, she is eight clones in this film. Why eight? I don't know. Maybe he is basing it off how many times he changed his script. That kind of would be funny. Yeah. A little meta there. Yeah. <laughs> So eventually they had him write in a clone version of this, but instead of Ripley, it was Newt. And then they're like, this is great, but let's make the clone now Ripley. He was very confused because Ripley was dead and it had been very public. Sigourney Weaver wanted nothing to do with this franchise anymore. And to his complete amazement, they gave her the script and she loved it. And she even said, you know what, Whedon, I like what you're doing here. I need you to push Ripley's character farther into the weirdness and more 
because she thought that was just so much more interesting having now a half alien half human ripley even though none of her characteristics have the xenomorph characteristics but instead of yeah instead of being like partial alien partial ripley we get partial ripley partial weirdo (laughs) partial just strange behavior and she's almost more playful too which is weird uh because i don't think you would get that necessarily from an alien but yeah it's it's uh I don't I don't understand sort of like, I guess, I mean, the science of the whole thing, (laughs) but I mean, it's a science fiction movie, so fine. okay. but yeah, like Ripley is so different from any of the Ripley's that we have seen before. It is almost like we're eight times removed from original Ripley. Yeah, I don't get the science either. I think the science is all over the place. Um, You know, why is she, quote unquote, part alien, part xenomorph? But she has other than strength. And maybe a little bit of acid of blood, her characteristics outside, you know, any of her flesh, any of anything, nothing. She looks nothing like a xenomorph. Yet later on, we get a newborn and we'll definitely describe that because that's going to be fascinating to talk about. It is basically half human, half alien. So I don't know. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that's what everyone thought when they saw this. Oh, okay, whatever. We're now at this point. Fuck it. In terms of just like Joss Whedon's script and stuff and how it evolved into the movie that it, that this became, it still feels like very much like a backdoor pilot for Firefly, which Joss would do like two years after this movie. And it, it with the kind of space pirates and the snarky dialogue and stuff like that, this this feels like our intro to Firefly. I mean, it really does. Uh, you text me that and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, like everything about this. I mean, the space pirates in this film are basically just a prototype for Firefly. Yes. Which he probably thought was just going to be a huge hit. And I mean, I liked it. Everyone I know who like watched Firefly liked it. But, you know, Fox didn't. Yeah, it's just this weird, weird relationship between Whedon and Fox throughout time, I guess, with with like this and then that very similar things that. They didn't like, but they still made it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's wacky. This entire film's wacky. So let's, you know, there isn't as much pre-production problems other than the producers all like, this looks crazy. Uh, we did have quite a bit of the kind of like director roulette. Peter Jackson was one of them. Danny Boyle. And, you know, like all these directors kind of like couldn't do it and... I think at one time they may have thought about bringing back Ridley Scott, but I don't think he wanted anything to do with this. And it was like, okay, so they went on and they find a French director that had never done an American film. The only film he had done was City of Lost Children. They went with this guy. So basically they hired someone that they didn't think would be a problem like Fincher was in the third film. It was just like, get the job done. You can have some influence, but make this script because we really like it. Yeah, we had a director, you know, finally, who had a few films under his belt, you know, with Delicatessen, City of Lost Children. City of Lost Children was super popular at the time, at least, you know, for sort of foreign film genre fans. It was pretty acclaimed. So Jean-Pierre Junet, if I'm saying that correctly, I don't know. I don't correct me if, if I'm wrong. <laughs> Sounds but I good. Think it's, I think it's Jean-Pierre Junet who would go on to do Amelie after this, which is hilarious. <laughs> 
yeah, just to bring in somebody who was a little bit more experienced, maybe safer. And this was predated even kind of the French new wave of horror that would come a few years later. Yeah, and he's definitely got the the 90s look with his camera movements, uh, extreme close-ups everywhere. Wow. This movie's wacky. The movie's wet, too. And I, I say that probably about all of these movies, like Aliens Wet, Aliens is Wet, Alien 3 is Wet, this is Wet, but each one is a different wet. <laughs> depending on the time period it's from <laughs> this one they may have went too far with the alien wetness <laughs> at one point like it just got to the point where it was a joke i feel like i would slip on this set if i was on this movie set <laughs> i feel like i would be slipping all around the place just a lawsuit waiting to happen <laughs> a lot of ky jelly a lot of a lot of water a lot of a lot of yuckiness yes yeah and it's just it's just weird seeing the city of lost children and then you know kind of comparing it to this it is shocking to me that they chose this guy to do an alien movie uh i think his visuals are fantastic um and i think this movie has a good a lot of good visuals this is not an alien director in my opinion that said i'm kind of glad he did one because this shit's going to be fun to talk about yeah i mean it is there's this weird disconnect where it's like it, it is so visually kind of cool and interesting and weird but yeah it doesn't at the same time yeah it doesn't fit in or almost feels like the director like kind of didn't want to be there but also still brought it you know like there's this weird kind of disconnect there where it's not full-on like oh this is a filmmaker is getting to do what they've always wanted to do and they're going all out and it's crazy no it feels kind of like stunted a little bit but still yeah, then you have like the crazy zoom-ins like you were talking about and the wet and some of the just weird stuff with the newborn. Like it, it you, we have a director who has like a cool visual sense, but there is a vibe of sort of not necessarily belonging to the series. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good way to sum this up. The director never wanted to do an alien film. Uh, thought it was really odd that they asked him to do it. But then he's like, you know what? I want to work for a big studio film and I want to be proud of something. And he did. He brought it. He's very proud of the film that he put out. And it it is a well-crafted film. But at the same time, it's so weird that I don't think it's a... It's not a good alien movie. Again, this is back to back films, in my opinion, where you're like, if it's not an alien movie, I think this is fun. You know, it's good for what it is. I don't think they know how to connect it to the first two and be distinctively visually different. Yes, perfectly said. That's exactly I feel like what I was trying to say with like, that is how this one feels. This movie comes out. I don't even know. I know it was 96. So this comes out. Oh, November of 97. So we have a ton of big movies coming out in this portion of the 90s. Uh, I don't know why this was a November film. I'm assuming counter-programming off Thanksgiving. Yeah, we saw, I I know that like Aliens versus Predator Requiem came out on Christmas Day. So I feel like they've experimented with this in this series. Uh, You know, hey, $70 million budget. This is the biggest budget. And you can tell because I believe this is like the peak of practical effects with miniatures and models. It's just amazing what they put on screen from Starship Troopers to this to so many during this time period where they just hit the height of all this practical stuff. They just were so good at it. And the practical effects in this movie are 
absolutely amazing. Don't let that be understated at all. Like this is a monster fest and it's got all kinds of great practical work here. We even like I, I mentioned it in last week's episode, we even see less CGI in this one than we did in the last one when it comes to the alien stuff. So we, we've just got Practical City, and we've got all different kinds of aliens. We've got queens, we've got warriors, we've got whatever the fuck the newborn is, like, and the little cocoons they're making and things like that. Like, this is an effects-heavy movie. This is a creature feature for sure. Yeah, and this might have some of the best production design of the franchise, which might, like, kind of startle people hearing me say that, but... The attention to detail of what they wanted is incredible. And I even though this complex is huge, I feel like this one, I have more of a feeling of where we're at better than number two and number three, which is weird to say because this is off two huge sets where I could see people getting lost in it. But I feel like I know where the characters are going the entire time. Like it's a linear map, like we're going from here in the ship to this ship to get away and then to go to Earth. Like, I feel like I know where the characters are going in this. The problem with this movie so much is like it doesn't actually add to the mythology. It just creates a bunch of weird shit that they wanted to see. Yeah, it sort of creates its own sandbox to play in, really, instead of, yeah, building on the franchise. But I, I agree with you 100 percent. I, I think that this one spatially is the f- first one since the original movie to kind of give me a visual map in my head. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, and I think the costumes are amazing. I think, I already said the practical effects, the miniatures and everything, and the way they use CG, even though they don't use it a ton, they use it well to cover up stuff that they just can't do. And they they didn't want to do, you know, stop motion animation with the aliens. So, you know, like when the alien's crawling into the like space pods at a certain point, yeah, it's CG, but it's far away. They know they're not as good with it. Um, now, I do admit some of it where they're like crawling up the ladders that CG looks awful because they're trying to do this like shiny CG. Yes. And it looks, I can't stand it. I do like the, the aliens when they're swimming. I think that was good. There's parts where they're running and you see all this like silvery shiny crap on them. Yuck. That was just a trend. I feel like in the late nineties, like the shiny CGI. Yeah. I hated it too. (laughs) This movie may be weird, but I'm telling you right now, I'm going to say a lot of good stuff about this film, even though I don't actually really like it that much, but I do. It's a, it's, I'm walking a tightrope here and maybe I am talking out of both sides of my mouth, but there's so much good to like about this, but it's just so fucking weird for an alien movie. Yeah, this is one of those ones that like when I saw it and when it first came out, I saw it as soon as like the VHS came out. I rented it right away, was disappointed. Years would do marathons of the first four and was always disappointed by it. But over the last few years, I've really come to really appreciate a lot of stuff about this movie, Uh, mainly the creature feature aspect of it. But like, I kind of enjoyed this one. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's it's a breezy watch. And it's like, you know, when you got all these things that you were saying, like miniatures, costumes, all this stuff, all this stuff is visually appealing. This is a pretty digestible movie, <laughs> as gross as it is. It's really easy to like take down. And it's like one of the shortest ones in the series, too. And it doesn't need to be any longer. So like, yeah, I kind of like this one. Yeah, it's weird, right? You're like, ah, I like it. But at the same time, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? 
it's it's weird. Yeah, I'm going to put my allegiance to the first one kind of aside a little bit when I watch it. I'm like, well, you know, I can't be thinking about the first one when I'm watching this. But like, so if I do that and I, yeah, I kind of experience it just as its own slimy, gross 90s, late 90s kind of alien movie, not alien franchise, but alien as in the kind of creature alien movie. I, you know, I think it's kind of fun. I think it's kind of a wacky, goofy, weird, fun movie. Yeah, I think this would be one of the better ones to screen at a movie party. Yes, this would be the one you'd pull out. You're not going to pull out Alien 3. Everybody's going to be depressed. You're going to pull this one out. This movie would probably come out, what, spring, summer, 1998 on On VHS? VHS? Yeah, probably. I would assume if it came out in November, at least six months later, would probably be, yeah, springish. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they only came out with one VHS for this. So if we're walking down the video store, what are we seeing? We get Sigourney Weaver, Winona Ryder, names above the title. We get their kind of floating heads. It is the late 90s. Let's not forget those. Sigourney Weaver's above the title. Winona Ryder's under the title. And they're both like sort of looking off at what could possibly be the alien or something. They're green. The green uh, aesthetic is still here for the posters. And uh, we've got where the eye is an alien. There's like some little alien tendrils kind of pulling it open. And there's the big light and it's split kind of right in the middle. And I get a little THX logo at the bottom of uh, my VHS here. Yeah, we're going back to the greens of the first one. Yes, greens, but floating heads because it is 97 after all. Of course. And in the back here, uh, a lot more green. Yeah, a lot more green. Uh, We get the eggs at the bottom where like the credits are. And uh, we get a few stills. We get mostly Ripley. Ripley looking with the group. Ripley smushing faces with another rider. And then uh, two aliens in one of the stills. And I love this. This is uh, like the, not the description, but the little kind of tagline above everything. Sigourney Weaver and Winona Ryder star in the final chapter of the chilling sci-fi thriller. Oh boy. Yes. Once again, another VHS claiming to be the final chapter Immediately after the last one claiming to be the final chapter. But in fact, we know it is nowhere near the final chapter. There are still four more screen appearances of the aliens to come. <laughs> is there anyone more out of place in this entire franchise than Winona Ryder's character? Well, spoiler alert, she's an android. Um, and I think once you know she's an android, it's a little better. But before we know she's an android, it is kind of like, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be fun talking about her behind the scenes on this, too. Uh, So what's the description on this bad boy? Ellen Ripley Weaver died fighting the perfect predator. 200 years and eight horrific experiments later, she's back. A group of scientists clone her along with the alien queen inside of her, hoping to breed the ultimate weapon. But the resurrected Ripley is full of surprises for her creators, as are the aliens they've imprisoned. And soon... A lot more than all hell breaks loose. To combat the creatures, Ripley must team up with a band of smugglers, including a mechanic named Call. Is that what it is? Ryder? Who holds more than a few surprises of her own. Uh, When I was looking up the characters for this film and I saw her name, because I always, when Matt and I are about to start this, I always put him as a character in the movie. And when I saw that her name was Call... First of all, I had no idea because I don't I mean, maybe they call her something. I don't know. I I don't know if they call her call. 
which is weird. Yeah, that really threw me when I was reading the description here because I was like, is that really her name in this movie? I just watched this. (laughs) It's a very odd character in this entire franchise because she is supposed to like have this allure about her because she is an android made by androids. Yes. But to us, the viewer, I don't care like at all. Yeah, and it's sort of like, what's this woman doing on this crew of like smuggler roughneck guys? Like, it's one of those kind of scenarios, too. Yeah, I mean, because there is another woman pirate, but she's actually a pirate. Right. She's part of the crew. Winona Ryder just feels like she was a stowaway one day and they just never moved on. Yeah. And they kind of they they kind of talk about it a little bit, like yeah. how she got, but like still, yeah, she is definitely the misfit among this group for sure. Well, and then the way the rest of the characters react to her being an android made by androids, I don't know why that's special to us. Yeah, like looking at this and this whole thing, the way they react, it's almost like they want the audience to react to like, oh, that is fascinating. I don't find that fascinating at all. Well, you talk about it in the Aliens episode, but they really did drop kind of the whole android thing from the series because in Alien 3, we just kind of get that one scene with the the remains of Bishop that she plugs in and talks to. But that's it kind of for the android aspect of that movie. And then, yeah, like Winona Ryder's character almost seems sort of like an afterthought to have her be an android or, so, you know, it's it's weird that she's an android, but like... Now the series is not interested in that anymore. So having it in there is exactly like you're saying. It's like, oh, but we don't care. Yeah, that was the thing, too, is like when we find out she's an android, that's supposed to be a big shock to all of us. But we're like, yeah, we've seen this. Yeah, you already did it with Bishop. We are. And Ash was a surprise, too. It's like, you know, you don't need to surprise us with androids anymore. We're in the fourth movie already. And like the last movie, we didn't even care about androids. So, yeah, it is. It's weird. It's a weird choice. I guess it was supposed to be shocking because these ones are supposed to be more human than human because they care about so much. It's almost like she's going on a campaign to save the aliens or stop. Actually, no, it's not save the aliens. It was like stop them from manufacturing the aliens like she was a freedom fighter. I I don't know what she was. I don't get it. I don't get it. (laughs) When it comes down to it, we just don't understand. Do we have any trailers to this? This is like the same setup as... The uh, Alien VHS that I had. So it's got the X-Files trailer that that one had. It's got the two video game trailers that that one had, which is the Aliens versus Predator and then the Alien Resurrection game. And then this is another one of those VHSs that has the trailer for the movie before the movie, which we've already, we already talked about many times. Annoys the shit out of me. But I will say Alien Resurrection has a really, really, really good trailer. Yeah, I can't believe they did it again. What is what is the deal with putting these trailers in front of the movies? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I think it was, you know, this my VHS that I'm looking at was released in 99. Um, so maybe a year after the first release of the VHS. I'm wondering if it is just to combat DVD by having sort of the extra feature of the trailer or whatever before the movie. But put that shit after. Come on, guys. Who, t- who told you to put them before? <laughs> yeah, I just want to watch the movie. It's not that important to watch it before. And in fact, I just think it kind of could hurt. Yeah, as a kind of the nerd fan that I am, I love watching the trailers after the movie. Like, period. I'm not talking about like on VHS, it's just like in general. Like, if I'm watching a 
movie with a bunch of bonus features on the DVD, the first thing I go to after the movie's over is the trailer because I'm curious how they marketed the movie and stuff like that. That's just me as a fan. But like, it just makes more sense to me to have it after, not before. <laughs> All right, feature presentation time. And now, our feature presentation. Uh, we get Space Pirates, which is the first time Space Pirates has been part of this franchise. Uh, and they're going out, they're collecting people that are in stasis to sell them to the military to have aliens hatch inside of them. That's yep. basically the story on this. The military's doing experiments. Uh, we find out that Ripley has been cloned. I do find it fascinating that they let you know that Ripley's been cloned eight times. Because in the movie, that seems to be a big, like, mark, you know, it seems to be something that's kind of like supposed to shock you. And I don't feel like that ever shocks you because maybe they gave it away in the trailer. I guess it's all leading to the scene in which she does like the mercy killing on all of the failed clones that are all fucked up. Awesome effects in that section yeah. of the movie too, by the way. But like... It's... Very screaming Mad George in that section. Yes, by the way. yes. <laughs> which we all know we both love very much. Yeah, so. <laughs> so that, yeah, that section was cool. But yeah, it doesn't it doesn't for me as a viewer act as a surprise. It's sort of just there so that we can get to that scene, which is a cool scene. Yeah, it's just kind of like, oh, so you're going to tell that? Because I thought that was supposed to be kind of like one of your surprises in the film. But I feel like the surprises in this film are never surprises. You are, OK, there is one surprise that I'm surprised by. Never mind. We'll get to that. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think we'll talk about the pool scene because that took a month to film. It looks like a night. <laughs> but it was a nightmare it's a good scene <laughs> it works i think uh they made an entire mini documentary about the pool scene that was 30 minutes long because <laughs> it took a fucking month to do yeah i mean it look it, like i said it looks great very uh especially when they're going up the ladders and stuff and escaping feels very like day of the dead i know there's no water in that scene at the end of day of the dead but like it does feel like their escape is very day of the deady and yeah like it's uh, the water stuff it looks great the aliens like you said swimming underwater look pretty good the effects kind of hold up for that and it is a good tense scene and uh they're all holding their breath and i don't think they would have be able to live through what they were <laughs> trying yeah. to do <laughs> uh and when they come up and the water is covered in kind of that pool cover of just the alien slime it's nasty. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for a movie, looking at the scene alone, it looks great. But script writers, anyone out there, don't put water scenes in films if you want your actors to like you and ever want to work with you again, because it's a nightmare. All these water scenes in all these films, people hate it. And I get it. No one wants to be wet that long. And it took a month. And this was actually a production that was going out of its way to be super safe. And I love how every actor in this said, oh, this was like some of the first stuff we ever did. We definitely bonded. But after this was done, we were kind of just exhausted. Water work will wear you out if you're climbing in and out of it all day. You're wet all day. 12 hours just being soaked all day. Like, yeah, it takes a lot out of you. And like, it is a tense scene and it's a good scene and it's a fun scene. But it, if you think about it, the water really doesn't add anything to the story necessarily like we don't find out that the aliens have gills or anything like that you know what i mean like there's nothing that pushes ahead the story other than that it's kind of like an exciting scene that's it 
It's just visually it looks cool, and we haven't seen the aliens in water. That's why they did it. And they probably regretted it afterwards, because holy shit. But, you know, they finished it. Uh, luckily, no one was hurt, which Ron Perlman made that a uh, a point of saying, like, it's a miracle that no one was hurt. I, I mean, because these are real stuntmen in suits underwater where they were racing to get them oxygen because they could only shoot so long without having oxygen pumped into the suit, which they had to squeeze through a hole in the neck to get to the actor to breathe. And and the suits were filling up with water. Like, it was a nightmare. Just a complete fucking nightmare. Too much work for how much, you know, a five-minute scene in the movie or ten-minute scene in the movie. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> but, you know, they did it, and props to them. Yeah, and the designs of these suits are amazing, and the CG actually in the underwater parts are pretty good. I don't like the CG when they're outside of the water, but whatever. Yeah, it uh, it, it does. I agree. It holds up better. We were we were just talking about Ron Perlman, so let's talk about some. I had three people that I really love in this movie: Ron Perlman, Michael Wincott, and of course Brad Dorf. These three guys just get the movie they're in. They just understand what movie this is that they're making. Yeah, and Ron Perlman coming back to work with this director. And when he was working with the director in The Lost City of Children, he was the only non-speaking French actor and crew member. So he felt like a fish out of water, and he thinks that's why the director brought him in to do this, because he knew him, and he could help him and kind of keep the crew just in case something happened. He's like, no, no, I've worked with this director. He knows what he's doing, that kind of thing. And plus, you know, Ron Perlman is just... A very good actor. He is a well-spoken individual, which kind of like shocked me on the behind the scenes. Not that I should be shocked because he's a good actor. He's he's acting as these characters, but he's not who I thought he was. He's like a really smart dude, like a really, really. Yeah, like he's a well-spoken, smart guy. Yeah. And I just, you know, because he doesn't play any character like that. No, I always plays like lunkheads. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> fun to see him talk in these behind the scenes because, yeah, he is such an opposite of like, especially this character in this movie. Oh, yeah. He's just kind of like the bully amongst bullies. Um, amongst yeah. His pirates. He's just says whatever the hell is on his mind. And, you know, he's short temper and the the bad jokes. <laughs> I love him. Uh, and he's just mean to other characters. Yeah. Michael Wolk, uh, Wincott. Little surprise he died so quickly, considering he was coming off of The Crow and um, Robin Hood. But, you know, just like Robin Hood, his character dies like halfway in the film. But God, what a great voice. And uh, oh, yeah, no. I just he, he plays such a natural kind of captain leader to these guys, too. You know, he he really embraces or I guess is this movie's kind of Tom Skerritt. But he goes so early. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then Brad Dwarf playing the doctor who was doing, you know, cloning Ripley and studying the aliens. And he's just weirdly fascinated with the aliens. Uh, I don't know if he had a particularly good time on set because the movie took like five, six months to uh, shoot. And I think they brought him back to reshoot the end when he's like talking to the newborn. I think that annoyed him. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, he's covered in fucking slime and fucking in a cocoon. I'd be pretty miserable, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he has anything bad to say about the film, but I don't particularly hear him saying anything about how he loved being on set. I mean, he's not even really in the behind the scenes that I watched. I just love his 
his like beautiful beautiful butterfly yeah. kind of like <laughs> moment he has in there how fucking weird what a weird fucking movie <laughs> i know <laughs> uh, we're not even selling how utterly bizarre this movie is i don't think because like just so many decisions from scene to scene are just so strange and yeah i I don't think we've hammered it home enough. Ripley is acting so weird in the movie the whole time. <laughs> well, and then the general. Dan Hedaya. Hedaya. You know, like the hairiest man in Hollywood. Him and, Rob, <laughs> him and Robin Williams have quite a competition on that. But I think he's worse than Robin Williams. He's hamming it up. Wow. He always is playing this part perfectly. You know, I can listen to this guy yell all day long. <laughs> Oh, it's fantastic. And yeah, he plays a good general where he's just like, everyone, get out. He doesn't even fuck around. He's like, get the fuck out of this ship. We're blowing this ship. And then he dies and just like is over the top and everything. Him and Brad Dwarf and Ron Perlman really, I'm not saying the rest don't, but they're like on a different film compared to Winona Ryder and Sigourney Weaver sometimes. But Sigourney Weaver's also floating in and out of the same movie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Winona Ryder is on a different tone level than anyone else, I think. And that's why she's so weird. When is in like a drama. She's yeah. in like the rest of the cast, like all, all the dudes we mentioned are in like a campy creature movie. And yeah, like you said, Ripley, Sigourney Weaver is kind of bobbing in and out. She's like playing the drama and like the selling sort of this dramatic connection she has between the alien queen and her. But then also she's got a lot of like one liners, zippy quips where she's in this super campy movie too. Like she does bob in and outs like a lot throughout this, but man, some of her funny one liners are pretty good. Like when she's talking about being dead and stuff like that, like, like when they're like, Oh, what happened last time you faced off against these things? She's like, I died. Like, so there's good. There's, she's got some good, funny one liners. You can tell she, this is probably the most fun she's had doing an alien movie in a long time. And they brought up that she didn't want to travel to do this, you know? So they kept it in LA, even though she lives in New York. And I think at this point in time, she has a daughter, she has a family and wanted to at least be in the U.S. So they kept everything on set inside L.A. This was all done in L.A., which I think is the first film that did that. The other sets, the the other production time was just so hard on the crew from the first, the second, to the third one. And she says, after the third one, I want the easiest time doing this movie. And then, of course, they do the pool scene, and they're all like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine some of the other stuff, like... You know, the set stuff, the the not creatures, the not wet water, you know, stuff like that. Like I, I would imagine it was kind of easier, and maybe that was her pull as being a produ like an actual producer on this movie mm -hmm. for the first time. Uh, maybe she was able to kind of wrangle it together because, yeah, I feel like the rest would be kind of simple to shoot if it, everybody's probably already based out there besides her if she's from New York or whatever. And yeah, I mean, you've got the technicians to build those kind of sets out there and everything like that. So I could imagine that was her producer, Paul, making it kind of easier, except for the water scene. <laughs> oh, yeah, she definitely had pool and she got paid a reported like $11 million, which is incredible. That I mean, that's that's getting up there with like the, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger money. That's that's not many actors can pull eleven million dollars at this point until you get uh, Julia Roberts, who just became like a queen of Hollywood for a while. 
it's like the idea that Ripley is the franchise, which is something that hilariously they dumped after this movie. But like they did give her that $11 million because I think they just had confidence. It's like the alien movies are the creatures and Ripley yeah, mm-hmm. at this time. So I think they, they, they probably saw it as a worthwhile investment. Yeah. And she also said she wouldn't do alien versus predator because it sounded awful. And uh, she kept her word because she's like, don't even put me in the scripts. And they didn't. And <laughs> You know, the rest is history. The first one, especially, turned out awful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think there's something to say that without Ripley coming back to this franchise, it's not been the same. It hasn't. I mean, it it definitely has taken a whole nother vibe. And I was kind of excited to see when they were talking about maybe bringing her back with uh, the potential of like an aliens follow-up for the the next one in the series but uh yeah i just i don't think it's gonna happen i don't think she'll be back i think this was it so going into the creature effects a little bit farther into this we get the newborn which we just have to talk about it's like its own segment of this movie where they knew they wanted to stick this in uh later on inside the scripts what makes no sense to me is the queen alien gives birth just like a primate would. Why? I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's a cool visual that they just said, we got to do this. Yeah, it's grosser. You know, it's slimier, it's stickier. Instead of just having it pop out of an egg, you know, like let's let's have her give like full, let's give her a full like birth scene and have it rip her open. And out comes this pale, goofy looking, but also disgusting looking newborn alien thing. Why does it kill its mom right away? Don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Why does it have a goofy looking nose? Don't know. Don't know. I, I don't understand any of this. Why is it half human, half alien, but looks more like an alien? I don't know. They don't explain. They don't explain it. Uh, but man, what a weird, creepy little creature creation. Though, uh, from its like baby tummy <laughs> to its yeah weird nose thing it has, uh, it is quite an interesting choice and quite an interesting design choice for the end of this movie here. And I think it's odd to say this, but I have never felt so disappointed in an alien and fascinated by how good it is at the same time in this entire franchise. Like it fascinates me how complex this creature effect is with its animatronics and everything inside of it to it's, it wasn't in the movie, but you know, it was genitalia connected to it, both male and female, like combined, which again would make no sense to me if you're going half human, because we know there's a queen and drones. So we assume the aliens that are based off of us, coming out of our bodies are either male or female. And we assume there's just one because it's like bees. So what, why would there be both genitalia on it? If anything, it should have like whatever would be the alien genitalia with whatever gender genitalia they were going to sell it as like, so it shouldn't. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't to have both, I guess human sexes is weird for the alien because it's only half human. Why would it have both human sexes? <laughs> yeah, and they never explain why an alien coming out of a clone body of Ripley would even be have the ability. I guess what they're saying, I assume, is that the al- queen alien's DNA mixed with us. But what about all the other eggs that she hatched? Why aren't they mixed? The science in this is just so fucking out in left field. 
And we're, we are debating what's going on with this alien whose only purpose serves only purpose to have its guts sucked out of its asshole by the end of the movie. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now see, like everything in this movie is bizarre, but I, I think that this movie, if it doesn't have this whole newborn in here and it's just them fighting the aliens, you know, we wouldn't be talking about this in the same weird way. It would be weird, but it's not over the edge. This puts it over the edge. This is the part where I think most fans said, you know, I think I'm done with this franchise. I, did, I think I'm done with the Ripley storyline. It's over. You've you've now officially jumped the shark in a way, which then I think this movie not only it doesn't kill the franchise. It kills Ripley's franchise. Done. Bye. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. And I think, too, it, it is the thing that takes it from just being tonally weird to like French weird. You know what I mean? Like it's very this newborn thing is a very like French horror concept, I feel like. Yeah. And the genitalia and this newborn is the point where even French extremist fans were like, yeah, I think you went too far. It makes me uncomfortable and I don't know why. Like, I feel like that's <laughs> like a lot of people were saying. <laughs> and they sold a fucking toy for it. <laughs> this weird ass thing. Uh, they work so hard on this. And you could tell only the director wanted this type of look. I mean, they went with it and created all this, but really they thought they were just going to do a hybrid. But he's like, no, no, no. It has to have eyes. It has to be expressive. We have to see its feelings before it attacks. And everyone's like, okay. Oh, and it also Ripley has to be its mom. But why? That doesn't make any sense. This newborn would not come out of its queen alien and know that it's human. It doesn't know anything. That's what happens when something's born. They have to figure it out. And usually their mother teaches them. <laughs> And also Ripley too has like this connection with this thing, but it's like our Ripley killed herself to get rid of this alien. And now she's up snuggling up against one here. Yeah, it is. It, but I guess it's the clone effect. So I I don't Oh know. yeah. We didn't even mention that she has like a telepathic link with the queen alien. Yes, she does. <laughs> because I guess that's what happens when you get cloned too. Uh, should we talk about, uh, the chestburster, like uh, the guy who's running around the 90s actor, I always call him. He's character actor from the 90s and still like where he's just running around. She has that entire dialogue where she explains what the government, you know, what the military is doing to him. They put something in your chest that will explode out of your chest and you will be dead. And it's just like, bye. <laughs> yeah. Leland Orser. He's in. This. Yeah. And yeah. He. Uh, yeah. He's just like basically spends the movie in a sweaty panic. <laughs> Uh, as he is waiting to explode because Ripley's like, oh yeah, you're fucking, you're dead. You're just a walking time bomb. And he's just walking, walking through the movie being like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And this guy's got all these credits from very bad things and a lot of other stuff where I've seen him, but I will never, never not see him except in this role. Like every character he plays, I immediately think back to this character sweating panicking and worrying about a chest burster because yeah that's how i picture him too always always nervous yeah and like you can't escape this i know you're in the taken franchise doesn't matter buddy you're forever this character forever <laughs> <laughs> 
I guess that means you did a really good job. I don't know. <laughs> We're talking about it. <laughs> yeah. And this is coming from someone who loves very bad things. So, yeah, one of my favorite movies. But Love I think it. he just plays a panicky character in that one, too. Exactly. So, He's also yeah. in a sweat that whole movie. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, man, you got anything else you want to bring up in this weirdness? No, I covered it. I had to bring up the asshole uh, sucking. Yeah. So, <laughs> you, yeah, you got it. You nailed it. You sucked it right into the review. Uh, hi, yeah, and you did mention this. I I can't believe this movie has toys. Yeah, of course, this in the 90s had to have an action figure franchise. Now, this is separate from the Alien series from Kenner that we saw that covered kind of the first uh, three movies in the comics and the games and all that. So Alien Resurrection gets its own toy line which includes sort of all the aliens in it of course the newborn and then like all of our human characters too or a handful of our human characters they're still making toys of it today i saw that NECA put out a newborn and ripley set as well so people are still making alien resurrection toys no oh, NECA, what did <laughs> you do oh man yeah i I don't remember the toy line in this. This is way past my toy collecting days or toy playing days. I, I've never been a toy collector, really. It just shocks me. It shocks me that you said, oh, there's a newborn for this. And I assumed it was NECA now. Like, no, no, no. Originally, they came out with that. I'm like, oh, my. <laughs> of course, right? Of course they did. I wouldn't be surprised if NECA puts out a queen alien having the newborn one day. Oh, like, my I God. Could, I could see you're it. You're so right. <laughs> Look, and the uh, Queen Alien's head burst off. Isn't it fun? Guess what you're getting for Christmas of 2023? <laughs> it's coming. I've said it. <laughs> uh, okay, that'll end it on this. Let's go on to the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out in the film jungle and bring something back. It's our final wing of the original four aliens that you voted on. So I'm going to beat Ant to the Punch and I'm going to say, uh, can I put a good and a bad in here? It's your show. You can do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, how how can the aliens look so good and way too wet at the same time <laughs> oh perfect that's a summation of the whole movie <laughs> like, calm down they're just like they are soaked it is like someone's taking a just like a hose on the other side of the shot and just spraying it with like ky jelly water yeah because it's not quite it's it's a little it's a little viscous. It's not quite water water, but it, it's wet, though. Yeah. Oh, and, and then just like the whole Brad Dwarf, like that whole scene where they're all wet and Brad Dwarf's like kissing on the glass. That is my whole like scene in the movie where I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for doing it. But what? Yeah, the but fuck? <laughs> also at the same time, thank you for it. I'm better for it now that I've seen it. <laughs> oh your turn go for it i i feel like i want to put in the brad dorf kind of relationship and the a scene especially the the beautiful butterfly scene where he is 
being eaten and wrapped up in the cocoon and stuff by the aliens. Just the relationship between them two and how he's like obsessed with the aliens and, and it's it's kind of sexual. It's weird. Uh, I think it's a good microcosm for the whole macro of the movie, like uh, how just weird and strange and uncomfortable the whole experience is. And he's a good character to represent that. So I'm putting in Brad Doris, beautiful, beautiful butterfly kind of <laughs> moment and the character in general. Of course, we have this movie, and we both find a way to get Brad Dorf in like two scenes, like, <laughs> and he's probably only like an eight minutes of screen time. Memorable eight minutes, though. Yes, very memorable eight minutes. The one scene I had to struggle with is like when Sigourney Weaver actually makes the basketball shot. Yeah, which they she did right. She I did. I remember it. seeing in the behind the scenes. It took him like 90 something takes or something, but then she finally got it and she's so pissed because it goes off screen for like a millisecond. It goes above the frame. I guess the whole story was like in before they were making the shot, you know, she was in the walkthrough. She kept doing it, kept missing, kept missing because she kept practicing this shot before the movie started. But it was from the free throw line. And basically she had to keep walking away and it was beyond the three point line, which is a lot farther. And so she missed and they did hundreds of like practice takes everyone was exhausted and finally they're like you know what go ahead take the shot we're gonna put together a machine it's going to make it into the basket we're gonna use cg whatever it was and she's like oh damn it and she was defeated because she'd practiced this and they're like okay so we're gonna get a couple shots from different angles and all this stuff and just just throw it up it doesn't really matter and ron ron perlman kind of almost ruined the shot because he broke character because she just walks away, throws it up and makes a swoosh. Doesn't even hit the rim. It swooshes in there and he just explodes like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then you can hear everyone from behind and you hear someone go, shh, I'm going to finish the shot. But it didn't matter. By then, they had to cut away so fast right after it swooshes because Ron just turns around with a huge grin on his face and just yells in excitement. He's like, yeah. I couldn't believe it. I broke character. Like, I was no longer that character. I became Ron, and Ron was happy. <laughs> and I, I do think in the movie, like, yeah, it does. It is unfortunate that it pops out of frame a little bit, but, like, I think it looks like she makes it. I think it looks real, so I think it sold really well. Yeah, I mean, she did make it, and they prove it. They have the, the raw footage, and they show it, <laughs> because it's, like, you can tell everyone's so happy for her, and she's very proud, and... uh just an exhausting day of shooting, they said, but they got it. They got it. <laughs> yeah, so that'll end it for our Alien franchise that you all voted on. I hope you're happy with what we said. I'm glad we did it. I thought I had a lot of fun with this. Me too. Uh, I go through the series pretty regularly because I, I, I do love kind of the movies just in general. Like each one represents something different for me. But like I, I do enjoy the series and I was really happy to go through it again and talk about it. And, you know, I, I, I talk a little shit about Aliens. I really build up Alien 3 because it's one I really like a lot. Uh, but it's overall, it's just a series that I like kind of all the movies for different reasons. I, I have really come around to this one. I didn't like it at all, really, when it first came out. But now I really come around to it. And I do think it's fun and weird and wacky and 
wonderfully gross. So I, I, I'm happy we did this series. I, I like all of these movies. Like, don't even when I'm criticizing them, don't think for a second that like I won't watch any of these at any given time. Like, I love the Alien movies. So I'm glad this was voted on. I'm really happy we went through it. Uh, I'm sidebarring. I am currently going through the Friday the 13th. And I've mentioned this in a couple of episodes before that I'm just very slowly going through all the Friday the 13th. And last night I just watched Jason X. And Ashley made a very good point when we were watching Jason X. She goes, this is like all four of the Alien movies combined with Jason. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, you're so spot on. <laughs> all right. uh, when you watch like uh, this one, especially too, I mean, beyond somebody getting sucked out of into space through a thing, which both movies do. There's that section of Jason X that kind of has like the Marine characters going after Jason. And then it sort of feels very alien resurrection at the end. And, and the yeah. frozen, the character being frozen and smashed. Mm-hmm. Yep. That that happened in X and that happened in this right after Brad Dwarf. Like, oh, yeah, because the alien learns that the cold air comes out or whatever. And he freezes one of the Marines or guards or whatever. Yep. Yep. So there's a lot of connective tissue between particularly Alien Resurrection and Aliens to Jason X, which is really funny to have just watched that. So if you if if you've gone through the four movies with us this time, cap it off with Jason X and just like because it feels like a nice summation of all of them. (laughs) Just a fun sidebar I had after watching that last night. That is pretty funny. That actually would be one of the Jasons I would also screen. Because I find it to be one of the most enjoyable because it's just like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's one of it's one of my favorites in that series, too. So I really have a fun time with that. And I, I have screened it before and I've had it playing at like movie nights and stuff uh, at my apartment. So and I will do and I will do it again. So it's a fun one. And the, and honestly, a perfect, fun double feature to show for your friends. Alien Resurrection and Jason X. Boom, boom. Everybody's going to have a good time with that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's going to be a lot of questions and a lot of laughing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And we can't answer them. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have any answers. I've seen these movies a whole bunch of times and I still don't have the answers for you. Why does the alien baby have a dick in a vagina? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that'll end it for the alien franchise. Maybe we'll do the second part of it. I don't know. It really just depends how bored we get. How about no? How about we don't? No, I'm just kidding. Wait, listen, happens, it happens. No. <laughs> we did the Amityville second part. I don't think we can find a franchise worse for fans to get excited about. What You know what I mean? Like, oh, there yeah. was no one was just like, oh, God, please finish the Amityville horror franchise. <laughs> except, except for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone would be excited about us doing Prometheus or a covenant i feel like so many people put that out of their mind i don't even hear them talk about it much no the alien movies you either talk about the four or you talk about the verses and when you're talking about the verses you're usually talking shit and when you're talking about the four you're talking about the four you know prometheus and covenant never come into question no one's just like oh man i really like no (laughs) uh and who knows maybe someday we will but for now This is the Alien franchise you guys wanted to see us do, so we did this one. (laughs) All right, that'll end it. So remember to be kind. And rewind.